This is OPI Talk, the voice of the business products industry. Hello, I'm Andy Braithwaite and welcome to this episode of OPI Talk. Now, there have been a couple of big stories in the European Aftermarket Print Supplies channel in the past few weeks. First, it was announced that the European Commission had rejected a voluntary agreement for the imaging equipment sector, saying the proposals didn't go far enough in terms of sustainability targets. That means the EU will now draft its own legislation for the sector. And then shortly after that, Clover Imaging announced it was pulling out of the European market altogether with almost immediate effect. So what does all this mean for the remanufacturing industry in Europe? Well, that is something I've recently discussed with two senior executives at Armour Print Solutions. I'm here today with Gerwald van der Gaip, and I'm, I apologise in advance for my pronunciation of your name, Gerwald. You're the CEO of Armour Print Solutions and also with Bob Reynolds, who's the sales director at Armour Print Solutions. Good afternoon to you, gentlemen. Good afternoon, Andy. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, good afternoon, Andy. Good to be here. Okay, good good stuff. Now, just very quickly, perhaps just a quick personal intro so so our listeners know know who you are. Gerwald, do you want to start? Yeah, well, I am Dutch. I live now for 20 years in France. I'm the CEO of Armour Print Solutions. Uh, started with Armour uh, five or six years ago already. Uh, as most of the people know, I came from, from HP. I worked there for 20 years before I joined, uh, joined Armour. And for people that want to know my age, I'm 51 years old. <laughs> okay, thanks. Bob, you don't have to tell us your age, but uh, just a little bit about yourself would be good. Okay, so Bob Reynolds, British guy, living and working in France for 33 years. I head up the sales for Armour Print Solutions. And I will celebrate 20 years working for Armour on Thursday this week. Okay, well, congratulations for Thank that. Gerval, can you just give us a quick overview of Armour Print Solutions, please? Yeah, of course. Uh, Armour Print Solutions is uh, the historical activity, in fact, of Armour. This year, uh, we, uh, we celebrate our 100 years uh, anniversary uh, because we started 100 years ago of the, the sales and production of carbon paper. Mm. Uh, so we still sell carbon paper. Uh, we still produce carbon paper. So after 100 years, it still exists. And uh, even in some cases, we see some growth on the older products. We still uh, sell all the other products that are linked with uh, printed consumables like uh, impact, uh, like label um, cassettes, uh, like cartridges, of course. For our cartridge business, we only do remanufactured products. So we do remanufactured inkjet products and remanufactured laser and copier products. If you look at Armour Print Solutions, we are around 640 people around. We have sales organizations in all the major countries in Western Europe and also in Eastern Europe. We have a factory in Poland where we produce ink and where we produce our ink cartridges. We have an R&D center in Germany, right, that is developing the ink and doing also some activities on electronics. And then we have our factory, uh, laser factory in Morocco, which is, um, you know, one hour away from, from Spain, right, which we get our products into, into Europe. Okay. Our headquarters is based in Nantes. Uh, we're a French company, but as you can hear, very international with yeah. the leadership team of uh, international people. Yeah, and part of the wider Armour Group, which has diversified into other other areas, hasn't it? In in, in the in 
the past few years? Yeah, extremely uh, diversified. So uh, Armour is not only on printing. We became an, uh, a new tech company. Huh? So we developed uh, films for batteries, for car batteries. We developed photovoltaic uh, films for uh, creation of electricity, uh, films for um, haptic devices. So it really is in this thin layer uh, technology that Armour developed and, and is growing in diversification. Okay. All right, good. Well, obviously, we're going to... You know, stick to the to the printing side of things today. Now we're we're speaking, I guess, a couple of weeks or so after Clover announced it was it was leaving, or I should say, Clover Imaging Group announced it was leaving uh, the European market rather rather suddenly. Did did that come as a surprise to you? On one hand, yes, because Clover is a uh, big company, right? Um, I think Clover and Armour, we, we have good connections, we talk. Uh, it wasn't really a surprise that we draw from the European market. Of course, we knew they had some challenges in their logistic model, right? Of production in Vietnam or production in Mexico and get the products in time in Europe with all the uh, effects of uh, COVID and globalization, uh, transportation, uh, increase of, of material costs and, and things like that. So that the exit of the European market uh, was, was a surprise and is still a surprise. I think it's too bad because they were a respected competitor. They're really committed to the remanufacturing of, of products. And to see such a competitor going away in Europe is, um, I think, is really too bad. Mm. You know? Of course, I think we as Armour see an, uh, also an opportunity uh, for us um, to grow our business, um, to take some of the customers of Clover on board and to really increase our leadership in, uh, in Western Europe and in the European continent of uh, being, I think, now really the biggest remanufacturer in Europe. Mm. Okay. Now, they, they issued, a, issued a statement giving some of the reasons why, why, they, why they took that decision. One of those was, they didn't mention Staples and Office Depot by name, but you know, them, them leaving Europe or the, the breakup of them, a factor. One thing they didn't say, uh, I read this somewhere somewhere else, was that you'd actually won the the Lyrico contract uh, f- from them not not too long ago. So that, that that was perhaps a factor as well. Maybe I could pick this one up, Andy. As you know, Lyrico uh, they have their own private label business under under their brand, so they don't usually divulge who their suppliers are mm. because it's a private label. But the, the word "private," uh, yeah, <laughs> I insist upon that. So yeah, we we, we do understand that Lyrico uh, changed suppliers uh, from from Clover in in late 2021. Yeah. Okay. Good. Very very diplomatic answer. Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> Bob. Just. Yeah, when when a player like that exits a market, I guess it's a natural thing to then question the overall market. Is you know, Clover's decided Europe's not for them? How how would you describe the overall health of the Incantona remanufacturing industry in Europe? Well, I think first we have to look at the total market, right? Uh, the total market, uh, the total print market, and the total print market is not increasing. Yeah, or the numbers of pages that are that are printed. Uh, we have seen that during the COVID of uh, homeworking and, and people not in the office. So it depends also on which technology you are. Uh, the last couple of years, COVID years for the inkjet business was quite uh, excellent business or quite good business, both for the OEMs, I think as for the remanufacturers. Of course, there were uh, issues about availability of products, uh, which also played a role. Uh, 
for us, it was really the opportunity that uh, people could try our products out, also the remanufactured products. Now, we see that the market is very competitive, uh, especially if we look at our market as remanufacturers, the competition from China, uh, new build products, which are very cheap, right? Which often um, don't comply with the regulation, uh, where they have a very volume model, right? But we try really to be uh, compliant with regulation, with reach, with roles, with everything there is, plus the eco labels, plus a service that we try to provide, and also the collection uh, of those cartridges. And, and I think that's often what people forget in a remanufacturing world collection is very important. And we also see that the cost of collection is going up because of transportation, mm -hmm. because also of legislation and regulation. And that brings a challenge. So you really need to structure and make strategic choices, how you want to deal with that and how you're going to be set up. And that I think is challenges for remanufacturers. I always say in the remanufacturing industry, it's the only industry that doesn't control his primary materials, yeah. right? Because it could mm -hmm. variate a lot. Some things we buy, and, and that could be, an, uh, could be a, real, a real challenge. Mm. The positive side of it is that you see more and more in, in the different countries in Europe is that ecological products are promoted. Yeah? They are promoted by the government. You see some regulation get into place that uh, recycled products are having more points. You know, in tenders, for example, mm. you see mm. that effect. So that's where we benefit from. Still, uh, it's difficult to, to see what is a recycled product or what is a new build product that we have the challenges. And we know that in those times also of, risk of you know, inflation, that uh, pricing is becoming extremely important yeah. uh, because budgets are getting less. So this is still the challenges that we have. But I see it as we have a good future uh, uh, ahead of us because mm -hmm. I believe that manufacturing and ecological recycled products is getting more and more important uh, in every country in, in Europe. Yeah. Bob, Bob when you, you know, your sales pitches to, to, to customers, are you seeing that sustainability message playing a, a bigger part? There's definitely a change, without a doubt. You know, it's, it's not happening overnight and it won't happen overnight. But, you know, we see, and certainly with the large corporates, the large corporates, they really are looking for sustainable products and looking for CSR reporting, etc. You know, it's coming and, you know, we're prepared to, to take the time for it to come. We, uh, we've been around for 100 years, the Armour Group, and, you know, we're well prepared to, to meet the future. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if you listened to a webinar by Printright a few weeks ago with some of the new products that they had. And a quote from that was that there is no innovation in remanufacturing and that on the sustainability level, remanufactured cartridges tend to get used once then and end up in, in landfill. Any comment on, on that? Well, as far as remanufactured cartridges ending up in landfill, I think a lot less of remanufactured cartridges end up in landfill than new build uh, cartridges from Asia because a, a new build cartridge from Asia, that can't be remanufactured. Okay, so clearly we can't control all the collection processes. Uh, however, when we can do, we do like to collect back our own cartridges because we know the history behind those cartridges and we can remanufacture those cartridges two or three times. Okay. So I yeah. think, uh, I think um, we have a, we're a step uh, ahead of, of the products coming from Asia. Okay. But, but yeah, to give a little bit more details, Andy. So it's true that some cartridges we use two times, some cartridges we use five times. It's also a part of the economical model, right? 
we could use uh, some cartridges more, but we have to replace a lot of components, which is costing, of course, uh, additional cost. If that cartridge is available and we collect it already because we collect more than we sell, well, at that moment, we prefer to uh, to get that cartridge. If you look at our OA brand, right, which is, you know, more than 50% of our business, okay. it's a really sustainable brand. Here we guarantee that those cartridges will never end up you know, in landfill if we collect it, because we collect those cartridges. Uh, of course, we don't know if, if they don't end up in the collection boxes, what's happening. But if they end up in our collection boxes, we don't use those cartridges or we cannot use those cartridges anymore. We demantle them and every component in that cartridge is used in a different, uh, in a different following process. So the plastics are used for recycled plastic, the metals, and even the toner powder, uh, we found solutions to reuse that you know, in an ecological way. Mm. I mean, what is the situation with with collections? I, th I guess it's always been a battle, hasn't it, to to uh, ensure that you have a, a, enough product. As you say, it's your it's your raw material. How, how I mean, what's the situation there at the moment? Well, collection, as I stated before, is getting more expensive. Uh, regulation is not helping us. You know, people still see, or in regulation, an, an empty cartridge is seen as chemical waste, in some cases. Well, a full cartridge is seen as a normal product, which is very ironic because there's more waste in there or chemical parts in there than an empty cartridge. So this is the type of things you have to look at. And every country is organized differently. Um, for example, in the UK, we had uh, envelopes to send back the cartridges. The cost of sending back an envelope, it tripled over the last two years. Uh, so this is not helping collection, right? And, and this is the, the challenge that we have in our industry, that not everything is going into the same direction to help collection. What we see, on the other hand, is that more and more uh, companies that put cartridges on the market with the, the WEE regulation, they are checked, they are controlled, if they really collect also the cartridges, because they are obliged to collect. And I think that is helping us. Uh, before collection was a service that everybody came from free. And I think that is also changing because mm. we charge for collection now because it's a service and it's taking care of the waste uh, of other companies. And, and I think that's an important change in this industry, which is very good uh, because, uh, as I said, collection is a huge cost. Okay. Customers are willing to, to pay for that service? They are willing, but they are a little bit forced by regulation. And I think that's the where regulation helps us uh, to get also into the, the remanufactured product. You can imagine that also for new build is going to start uh, that you have to, you know, that new build cartridges have to be collected. And regulation is getting more and more strict around that, that the people that put it onto the market prove that they collected the cartridges. And then suddenly you see a huge cost increase. And that's where the difference then between a new build and a remand cartridge is getting very, very small. Yeah. Okay. Which is positive for the remand industry. Yeah. Just sticking on collection, what's, What's the relationship there with the, with the OEMs in terms of the, the availability of product? The OEMs have their own have their own collection programs, and I guess you know th those products don't find their their way to you, do they? Would you like them to? Is there anything you can do? Are you speaking to OEMs about about trying to to keep keep these products within the circular economy as that circular economy dialogue becomes more more prevalent and people become more aware of that, especially in Europe? Yeah, that's definitely a discussion. We have different point of views of different uh, OEMs. So we have certain OEMs that uh, really don't want to provide our products. 
other OEMs, they are more open and they say, uh, why not? Uh, I provide you because anyway, if I have to destroy those products, it's a cost too. With the voluntary agreement, we had those type of discussions with the OEM because Armour was part of the voluntary agreement uh, discussion where we say, how can we arrange that? How can we do that? Of course, today, I would like to have for certain products access to uh, the OEM collection. And instead of they are destroying the products, they sell it to me so I can mm. use it. Uh, unfortunately, that is happening in, an, in a very uh, little scale and uh, not enough, mm, yeah. which is really too bad. Yeah, that's something I've never never really understood. Anyway, you, you mentioned the, the voluntary agreement and there was a, a decision a, a few weeks ago that you know, the voluntary agreement would would not be approved and that the EU Commission are going to introduce legislation for the imaging equipment industry and that will include the consumables. Now, just very quick, is, is that a big deal? Yeah, I think it's a big deal. I think it's a big deal. Hmm. Um, honestly, uh, it's too bad that the, the voluntary agreement was not approved. I think it was a good step forward. It was not ideal, right? Hmm. Uh, I think we always said that maybe legislation regulation would be ideal at the end. But we all know that that it takes a lot of time, you yeah. know, minimum five years to get to something. So yeah. for us as Armour and for most of the remanufacturers, we said it's the first step to, to legislation regulation. Just let treat already some of the issues. How can we get closer with the OEMs? We're good discussions. Now it has been not approved, not mainly not of the content, but also about how can things be positioned? Uh, how can we make sure that we set targets? Because that was a, a big discussion. Should we set remanufacturing targets or recycle targets for OEMs? And this was not uh, possible in the actual situation because you get links to the WE legislation, the collection regulation and things like that. So at the end, very complex. Um, now they're gonna build regulation around that. I think it will stay, it will take quite some well. Um, if we get there, I think it would be great uh, for the for the for for the environment, uh, for the sustainability part. Of course, in every regulation, we have to see how it falls because it could also limit us in, in certain activities. Mm. Um, the voluntary agreement is not promoting remanufacturers; they would just try to to make sure there is a solution. So yeah. they're not promoting the remanufacturing industry; they're promoting an ecological solution. Yeah. It sounds like it could be a good thing for the remanufacturers. Would you see it that way? I think it's an opportunity. Of course, that opportunity needs to make sure that the products are qualitatively good. Yeah, They are certified. There is a tracking mechanism in place and all those kind of things. Uh, that is where we say, what is a real remanufactured product? What is another remanufactured product? I think you have it a little bit the same in the reconditioned products today. Today, there are a lot of reconditioned products, but what is a reconditioned product? What is the definition of that? And when mm -hmm. you can call it a reconditioned product or not? And I think this is the type also of things that needs to be clarified. What does a reconditioning or remanufacturing or recycling means? And what is the best uh, for uh, the best model to implement mm -hmm. um, for, 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 for such a solution like a cartridge? Yeah. Do they do they do think do they take a life cycle assessment of the environmental footprint of of the cartridge, whether it's re recycled or not, or is is there a, a movement to promote remanufacturing regardless? But the first movement is to make sure that products are developed that could be reused. I think that's very important. Mm. So today. 
a lot of the products that the OEMs put on the market are not designed for reuse. Uh, contrary, I think they are designed to not reuse, right? <laughs> and that's why we manufacture industry are trying to find things to say, how can we reuse it? So the first important step is the new products that should come to market are designed to be able to be reused. So remanufacturing should become more simple uh, from, from that perspective. Yeah. And that's where reuse is the promoted uh, way to, to go forward. And that is an opportunity for, for remanufacturing. But as things are getting more simple, maybe there are also more parties that could, uh, could yeah, go okay. into this, mm. um, this business, including the OEMs. Because, because they know from the beginning how these cartridges are, are designed and how are they developed. Yeah. The discussion will also be about electronics. Today you see that the chips, the firmware updates is a real uh, issue for us, for remanufacturers and the industry. Um, that is also something that the European Commission treated and they say they should not develop or design processes that uh, a cartridge get blocked in a printer after a while. It's the customer choice, right? They must yeah. be able to choose which product to, to, to take. Yeah, I think we've seen some decisions. I think Italy, was it last year or a couple of years ago, made, yeah. made, made a ruling about, about that, didn't it? About the firmware. Exactly. And yeah. it was that customers were not informed when they bought a printer or when that certain mm. cartridges could not be used in this printer. And this is another discussion which we have with the OEMs. If you look at the services models, like the MPS models, that the OEMs still try to protect these models and say, when it's not a transactional business, but when it's a contractual, we still can protect the cartridge, protect the printer. And this is what we have to see in the future with the European Commission and regulation. How is this going to play out? Yeah. Now, we've talked about the voluntary agreement. I'm just thinking that some of our listeners won't know what that is. So just quickly, Gerwald, Remind us what the voluntary agreement is and why ultimately it didn't succeed. Well, the voluntary agreement, as it is said, is, is voluntary. So it's not a legislation, regulation is in place. The European Commission has asked the OEMs and every manufacturers to come up with a proposal how to better uh, organize ourselves and to, to, to handle in a certain way to promote reuse and to promote the design and the availability of spare parts, for example, because it's about the hardware and about the, the cartridges. So they asked the industry to come up with a proposal how to self-regulate more or less this, um, this, this industry and with the objective to get to, to better product design and to promote reuse. Hmm. What, what were the reasons why it didn't succeed? But I've noticed during the process that a lot of countries think differently. So there is not necessarily an alignment within Europe of how things, what is important, what's the most important thing. I think the feedback from Germany was completely different than the feedback from, 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 from Italy. Of course, there is a lobbying that, that is there with the, with the OEMs. It's also the complexity. I think um, it's really the first industry where you get into such a regulation uh, which is rather complex because you deal with collection, you deal with uh, technology, you deal with all kinds of different, it's a little bit more complex than, than, than people think and how to fit that into a self-regulation. Yeah. I think it's also uh, used a little bit as a an, an, an case study. Uh, if we succeed this or if this voluntary agreement would have succeeded, it would be a case study for others. Unfortunately, it didn't also with competition law um, so a lot of things got connected it and yeah. i think at the beginning that's not something that has been realized that it was connected with so many different uh, topics uh, that maybe was it really realistic 
to assume that an, a voluntary agreement that is so ambitious to be able to succeed without regulation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you had a seat at the table for the voluntary agreement for the drafting of that. Will, will that be the case yeah. now with the EU regulation? Uh, I don't know. So I am not invited. Um, of course, uh, we are also, uh, I'm also board member of the ETIRA, uh, the European uh, Toner and mm. Inked Remanufacturing Association. Um, the ETIRA is consulted on certain topics. So we give input also on that level to the European Commission. But of course, this, this process needs to start. It didn't start yet. Uh, and it will take uh, a yeah. couple of years to, to mm. get it finalized. Yeah, yeah. May, maybe so longer. So I will you know, try to do everything to be keep yeah. involved and to defend the European uh, remanufacturing industry for yeah. sure. Okay. Quick question for you, for you, Bob. Just as, as we come out of COVID and offices are are reopening around Europe, do you, is there, is there a change? Is there a pre-COVID versus post-COVID in, in terms of your market? Yeah, clearly there is. I mean, as Gerald said, we saw during COVID that uh, home office workers with their, with their inkjet printers at home, and there was a huge demand, uh, both for OEM products and for remanufactured products. Since then, the demand has changed a bit. So people have gone back to offices, perhaps not uh, as before. So we're seeing a you know, sort of hybrid model that everybody knows. So, you know, people are keen to go back to the office uh, two or three days a week and they're keen to work from home two or three days a week. So today, yeah, the the, the office uh, environment uh, is probably uh, decreasing to a certain degree. But also what we see is that uh, home uh, workers, they are changing perhaps their printing habits and also moving away from inkjet printers, which can be quite costly uh, at times, moving to, to, to laser printers. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, whilst we see the effect of it, without a doubt, it's not as huge as we could imagine it might have been. Okay, good. That's, that's encouraging. So I was going to say, inkjet, in probably not quite the same margins for you as on the on the laser side, and then just in terms of, of the mix as well. I guess you're making more more toner products than you were you were inkjet. Jet is, hmm. Yeah, sorry, inkjet has 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 changed over the years as well because these kind of small consumer inkjet, so you can buy the printer in a supermarket for. 30 euros or whatever it may be, uh, that has changed a bit. There are now the business inkjets, mm. which are quite high performance machines and which do compete with with laser. So, you know, home office workers, they they may ditch their small 30 euro inkjet printer, either mm. for a laser printer or perhaps for um, for a business ink uh, printer, which okay. is quite good performing. Okay. And then obviously, from your point of view, you, you hope then that these these consumers are not, not uh, subscribing to an OEM, OEM subscription program. Yeah, we hope so. Uh, but I think, again, these um, subscription programs are like everything. They look very attractive uh, when you see it originally. And then when you subscribe to it and you don't follow exactly the rules at 100% because you don't know exactly what you're going to print or how much you're going to print or when you're going to print, that uh, perhaps there are downfalls to those programs. So um, whilst, yeah, they exist and uh, they look very attractive they're not always as nice as they might look on paper okay and the, you know, the consumers they're, they're savvy about these things okay do you have your own subscription program for remanufactured products subscription program no we have a contractual we have all, a number of contractual programs mm. yeah where we're using uh, software to, to monitor printer fleets um, but as a subscription program no we like to give the consumer choice mm. Okay. All right. Just just quickly. So, what's uh, what what's keeping you awake at night, and what what's on the agenda for the rest of twenty twenty two? 
from my perspective, certainly, you know, the changes in the market with uh, the, the information we received uh, 10 days ago about Clover, clearly that's uh, keeping us on our toes and we're trying to uh, see how we can um, look after those, those Clover customers that may be um, stranded to a certain degree looking for other solutions. Yeah. Clearly the choice is theirs. But uh, we uh, will do and are doing everything we possibly can to to help them. Mm. And then on top of that, um, you know, we our contractual business uh, is is growing. Uh, we have uh, somewhere around seven thousand printers uh, under contract today, and that's we're looking to grow that. So that's keeping us busy as well. Mm. Okay, just just quick on the on the Clover thing you meant you mentioned there, the customers coming to you. I mean, do you have the capacity to to service these customers now? Yeah, I mean uh, we. Um, we could see that there was changes going on within the market. So we did sort of uh, increase our capacity mm. over the last six months. We've hired a number of new operators in our factory, um, our competence center for, for laser toner printers. And we've increased the capacity for, for storage, et cetera. So we have plenty, plenty of semi-finished products uh, waiting to ship. So yeah, I mean, uh, we, we could see that changes were going on within the market. You know, we are there to support the okay. customers. It's, just, it's not only the current industry, but yeah. also the the office supplies industry, because if such a big supply is falling away, it creates a lot of risk for, for the resellers also. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. There's a, so there's a message there about who you partner with in terms of the credibility and the reliability of, of your supplier. Yeah. And also the continuity that we want to push for the office supplies partners, right? Which is our historical partners. We do quite a lot of investments actually very, you know, in terms of raw materials, we buy at higher prices just to make sure we can support, you know, uh, our future customers and that there's continuity in, in the industry. Uh, so nobody is uh, is falling over because we know it's a little bit fragile uh, also mm. in the office supplies part, right? Yeah. So if you miss the margin on the, uh, the printer products, it can create also a big impact yeah, because sure. there's no paper. Mm. Uh, printers so if that all sums up we have to make sure that industry stays healthy because it's helping uh, selling our products sure and that's still a big part of their their product portfolio yeah exactly yeah okay all right good stuff and, and Gerval, just just for you what's uh, what's uh, top of your agenda at the moment so uh, i sleep very well first andy <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, I think because uh, Armour has been quite successful for the last couple of years, we, we have seen growth over the over every year since since uh, four or five years now. Um, what we're trying to do is to um, broaden our portfolio. So as Bob mentioned, we are focusing a lot on business inkjet, large format printing, uh, label printing. So we really go also more into type of niche market, a more professional market. We go out of the, the, the consumer market. That's a decision we took already a couple of years ago. So very focused on professional. Um, we have the ambition to have the largest copier range by the end of this year. Uh, copier is not something we did uh, two years ago. Two years ago, we started that. It's, it's developing very well. Uh, we see that the copier business is growing uh, very fast. We are very, you know, we would like to have the same offering as we had on laser, also on copier products. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, our our goal. And on top of that, we we are um, planning and, and 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 investigating how can we start our uh, reconditioned printers business because we really want to to also develop that. Um, so on copiers that exist on printers. It's it's less um, it's less known, 
um, how can we start that business so that we also can offer a bundle of reconditioned printers plus a remanufactured cartridge, really this green concept, an ecological mm. concept of, of, of printing. Yeah. And uh, I think there's a fair amount of business to, to grab. It makes a lot of sense. I think we are positioned and have the technology and the, the knowledge to do so. And also, I think the industrial knowledge, which is very important as Armour is an industrial company to build that supply chain of fabrication and remanufacturing called the reconditioning of printers. Okay. All right. uh, on top mm. of that, I think our OA brand, which is extremely important, we keep pushing that, we keep extending that with services. This is the sustainable brand uh, that we is ready for the future. That is no packaging, no plastic in the packaging, uh, really ecological reporting that we do. It's unique. And we would like to keep that st step ahead above uh, all the other brands, right? And as Bob mentioned, the distribution, um, we open uh, a new distribution center in the Netherlands to service the German market. Uh, well, it's our, I think, signal to say, we are ahead to conquer a new part of the market, uh, and we're ready. Um, we're ready for that. Okay. All right. Well, good luck and all the best with that. And then, thank you very much for joining me on on this episode of OPI Talk. Appreciate that. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. Thanks very much. Cheers. Thank you. If you have got this far, then thank you for listening to this episode of OPI Talk. Please check out our website, opi.net, for news, interviews, analysis, and much more from the business products world. We've also got a great app that you can download from the App Store or Google Play. Just search for OPI Magazine. And we hope you will join us again soon for another episode of OPI Talk.